0: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We are getting ever so closely to August 1st, so you know what that means. We're going to be talking a lot of Pittsburgh Penguins versus Montreal Canadiens, setting up the matchup, getting you ready, getting you amped for game one up in about two, just under two weeks as of right now. So we have a jam packed episode. As many of you know, this is our listener episode. We've been pumping this for about a month and a half now, but guess what? We have more than one listener episode. We will have another one, episode 69, coming nice. out next week. So got it we do it. have four people joining us today. That is John Hill, Shane Ryan, Megan Fitzsimmons, and Wesley Reed. I hope you enjoy all the interviews we did with them, just talking about the Penns-Habs matchup and Penns fandom altogether. But before we do all that, we have a little bit of news to go through. Of course, my name is Nick Berlansky, and the man that you heard yell "nice,", nice. that is Nick Horwat. How have you been doing, Bud? Uh, I've been doing good. I'm,
0: I'm recording this from my bedroom floor because we just tried doing one of those interviews, and my internet connection was not doing well for some reason. Uh, so I just had to move to a new spot, and that's why at least. Brulansky is seeing a different background, and I'm sitting on the floor playing with a hanger.
1: Hey, whatever works, man. Whatever works, you gotta just fight through it,
0: survive and making it work. And like you mentioned, we have news to talk about. I mean, today, the day that we're recording this, this morning was that first intra-squad scrimmage. I forget what je- what gets off kept trying to call it, but we saw a
1: scrimmage scrimmage game between the Penguins' top two lines and the defensive lines. <laughs> And we will definitely talk about that just a little bit. I mean, you can't really take too much into it. It was an inter-squad scrimmage that was televised for because we're so starved for sports. They needed, I don't know. I guess the YouTube. Views. It was
0: streamed. Let's be fair on it, but that's yeah, it not was... tele-
1: I mean, it, it was a much better quality than the Pittsburgh Pirates have put. Absolutely. That's for sure. <laughs> but like I said, we will get to that. It has been a busy week in the first week of NHL Phase Three, which is the training camps. Of course, as soon as it started. News broke that three Montreal Canadiens tested positive for COVID-19, so we were off to a great start out of the bat. But then again, a little bit later, secondary report came out that two of them were false positives, so that's really good. Okay. Following that up, you also had the news that Max Domi was given a 7-10 to 10 day buffer to decide whether or not he should participate in the COVID Cup because of his type 1 diabetes. As of right now, we have yet to hear back on that. The deadline for that is coming very soon. So we'll hear about that this week and then bringing it into our side of that series. The Penguins held out nine players who have still not participated in training camp or phase three at all. And they were held out at the start of camp due to possible secondary exposure of the coronavirus. Most namingly in that list of nine is Patrick Hornfist. He's probably the biggest name and the only name that was expected to be in the prospective opening night lineup on August 1st. You also had somebody like Yusu Rikla, who we probably would have seen in that inner squad scrimmage if it wasn't for that. But something else that we got this week as part of the new CBA. Instead of lower body injury. Instead of upper body injury. If that made you go crazy, Woo! guess what? Now we have a catch-all that we don't even get that much. It is unfit to play. We saw it this week with the likes of David Posternock. We saw it with the likes of Marc-Andre Fleury. And it seems as if right now we'll get it for the likes of Sidney Crosby. Deemed quote-unquote unfit to play is a catch-all for Upper, lower, COVID, all the types of injuries or ways that you will be held out. What do you think about this, Horwath? It's going to be unfit to play, or as Mike Sullivan put it, the league told us we can't
0: discuss it, so we're not going to discuss it, (laughs) which I get. But at the same time, I feel like if we are able to tell that it's not a coronavirus situation, because that one we know we're not finding out names of anyone who gets it, which makes sense. Um, but I feel like if we can tell that it was an, a possible on-ice injury, <laughs> like if we can see it happen, like if we see someone's ankle crack in half, I think we should be able to at least say, yeah, it's a broken ankle. It's a lower body injury or whatever. Like the fact that we know that something like that's going to happen and some it's going to be in a win or something, and there's going to be a real fun, happy-go-lucky coach. It's like, yeah, we're not allowed to talk about it. You saw the tape.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's – It's not something that as a journalist or as a fan, I'm too fond of, but it's something that if you take off those blinders of being a fan of the sport, or if you take off the blinders of being a journalist and somebody who covers the sport or has that kind of an eye on everything that's happening, it makes sense. It makes a whole hell of a lot of sense, not just for the COVID-19 reasons going forward. There's a reason that they were doing upper and lower body injuries, and it might be very irritating from our side of things, but at the same time, you should not discuss another person's business and whether or not and why they're not playing. So I I agree with it. I get it from their standpoint. It protects the players. And it's something that in this new CBA, it's something that's helping out the players. And as we've stated before, we're big on anything that helps out the players.
0: Always. Yep. I mean, like I said, like obviously some on ice injuries are going to be obvious. Mm-hmm. I think if we don't see the injury happen, and we get an unfit to play notification, I think we're all going to just safely assume that it was. I I mean, I don't know the details of it. I mean, I'm sure I mean, you might be able to answer, but I also just haven't heard anyone really talk about this part of it exactly in detail. That's like, are they at least able to say it's something that happened in a practice? Is it an off ice incident? Like, I don't know what kind of detail they're able to go into unless it's straight up. Nothing. And, I mean, there's just going to be speculation everywhere, and that's just the way it's going to be. But,
1: I mean, shit, this whole year has been speculation, hasn't it? Yeah, that's that's very true. But, I mean, especially you look at the people that are supposed to be conveying these injuries normally, it's the head coach, and if they get that catch-all, they're going to use it, especially Mike Sullivan, who loves saying, well, it's a game-time decision. So now he can just say, well he's up unfit to play or he's a game time decision. We'll decide whether or not he's fit to play. So I'm sure he, we're going to hear a lot of that in the next coming, what, two to three months of hockey. So that's most of the news that happened during the week. You mentioned the Penguins intra-squad scrimmage. We'll get into that. Some of the takeaways we saw from that. I think the biggest takeaway from that intra-squad scrimmage that I saw, there were a couple massive ones, but the biggest takeaway for me Phil Bork has a real nice backsplash in his kitchen. I loved it. Man, here's the funny thing too: is like
0: that video was on YouTube last week or something like that. Like we would have been able to see that a long time ago, but obviously none of us went and watched that because I get we're in this age of all of our interviews are through video calls like this. But I've grown. I've I can't watch them anymore. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I can't just sit there and watch two boxes talk. So I didn't watch that video, but it was on my TV. Or I guess I should say my buddy's TV because I was at uh, his place. But just I looked at that and I said, Phil Bork is doing this from his kitchen. That's very <laughs> clearly a
1: microwave, some cabinets, some and that nice cabinets, Nice white cabinets and a nice white and gray backsplash. I mean, I thought that was one of the biggest takeaways. But in all seriousness, Churchman? Churchman, that's another takeaway. We finally learned what kevin kuzman's real name is you first texted me and said wait did they just say his name's churchman and i said no that can't be right because there's There's no no r way that you spell let me let me try to bring it up here c z u c z m a n in what universe is that churchman i mean we should bring on Craig and say, listen, I I'm not gonna be able to help you on this. How do you spell Kevin Churchman? He'll probably spell it how it's supposed to be spelled, and not with the two random Z's, and it it makes no sense. And first of all, since when is he number seven, <laughs> as well? All right, so my update on Kevin
0: Churchman, because I'm sure we all are all aware, or we should at least we should all at least be aware that Czechoslovakia or to the Czech Republic or whatever that area I forget what exactly it is now, but it's Cz. Okay, yeah, that's true.
1: Is Kevin Churchman Czech? No, he's from Canada. I don't know. I mean, this is just harkens back to that Chance the Rapper video. That Let's do that hockey. Do any of you have a real name? And that is they do not. S- I mean, Kevin Churchman, a- I couldn't believe that. That is an S, a K, and a J all in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love um, Brady Shea. But I feel like we should dive into some of the actual points yeah. of the scrimmage. I mean, again which a lot of people need this disclaimer before tuning into that. You need to take everything you see with a grain of salt because Mike Sullivan, one, is going to switch around the lineups. Two, I mean, the final score was seven to nothing. What else do you expect when you're putting your top six lineup and your top defensive pairing against your bottom six lineup that are all switching lines? The top six was all the same line, and the bottom six was switching lines. So I expected it to be a team black victory. I expected it to be by a couple goals. But at the same time, I would have liked to see the bottom six at least score once on Uh, Tristan Jari.
0: I also definitely didn't see seven coming out of that. I mean, A, it was seven goals. B, yeah, it's a scrimmage. I did see a tweet that said, yeah, this is a scrimmage. But I don't think Murray went out there, like, wanting to give up
1: seven goals. (laughs) I I don't think anybody ever wants to go give up seven goals. And I also think you have to look at the fact that it was three to nothing when Crosby went down. And then it just all hell broke loose. So... And it was, like, four quick goals and quick succession. So, I mean, another thing,
0: too, I'll give Murray a bunch of credit for is they were doing the last five minutes of each of the periods power play drills, basically. The entire first one, he shut them out.
1: That is true. The entire five-minute power play especially. So I'll
0: give him credit on that. And I think he shut them out in the second one, too, come to think of it. I think it was seven going into that. But, I mean, there was ten minutes left in the whole thing. And I think Sullivan had enough. I He's think like Sullivan just... mercy rolled it and said, let's go to our power play routine and let's call this because Murray has had enough.
1: People really got on him. I didn't even notice there was a comment thing on the YouTube. I, was and watching I didn't t- see it the whole time. Yeah. So I, was I was watching I was on TV happy so... that I didn't cause it would have driven me crazy. Listen, that's the first time Matt Murray has seen actual live action hockey in four months. You can't get on him about that. Plus he was playing Sidney Crosby's line and, and Evgeny Malkin's line basically the entire time. And that's it. The way that Sam Lafferty looked, he could have been Sidney Carlsby out there. He was flying. I don't know if he was pissed off because Jack Johnson laid Blew him out in center ice right? at one point. But Sam Lafferty, that's another takeaway. He looked really good. And if he's going to continue to look that good, listen, I'm not going to say that I don't want Patrick Hornquist to come back, but I'd be confident with Lafferty on the right side down there on the third line. Wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think of that third
0: line now because it would be Hornquist, McCann. Oh, Marlow. Yeah, damn. Because Instead, I'm you'd thinking, have Lafferty on there.
1: Because I'm thinking Rodriguez is there. And too, Rodriguez I... didn't look awful, but he really didn't do anything that garnered attention it, as yeah, much was, as Lafferty did.
0: It was hard for that for all of Team Gold or the white jerseys to really get going because. A, they're playing against Malkin and Crosby's line nonstop the entire time. B, they're a def- for- there are fourth lines a defensive unit. And yeah, C, it makes sense. It, yeah, it's it was brutal. I mean, it hurt seeing them not score at all. But I mean, hey, man, like I was giving Matt Murray a lot of credit. Like he's only facing off against Crosby, Malkin. Rust, Denzel, yeah. Zucker, he's only facing off against fire squads, and the defense in front of him, while John Marino and Patterson's a great pairing, is then Chad Ruedel and Churchman, a call-up.
1: So it's not like his defense is doing much for him either. There were times that it looked fairly decent, and you look at the second half of the game, the... Gold team. I keep wanting to call them the white team because they were wearing white jerseys, but the gold team, they got a lot of opportunities, and Tristan Jari stood up. Now, he didn't have a hard day's work by any means, but he did look good in the few opportunities that he had, especially shutting down John Marino from in between the dots. Marino labeled that for the top shelf, and Jari snagged that with his glove hand, so that looked good, but again, take everything with a grain of salt you see. The one last thing I wanted to mention before we we moved on here is Jake Gensel. This is the first time we've seen him in any some sort of live action scrimmage type atmosphere. Anytime the, the fans have seen him besides a two minute clip on Instagram or Twitter. So he looked very good. He had a couple goals and both of them were right where he usually scores goals in front of the net from about 10 feet away. Just picking his corner, picking his spot. So it was good to see Gensel do that. As we mentioned in the interview with Megan coming up later, he was a little tentative around the boards, but that's to be expected after the injury that he had. But to me, he looked as good as you can expect in an inner squad scrimmage. So what is your take on Gensel's return? I mean, he looked good. I mean,
0: there was no doubt that he wasn't going to look good. And I think the same does – I think, however, the same does go for what we're giving Murray for having a bad game. We should also kind of be taking – Gensel having a great set, a great game with also a small grain of salt. Yeah, good is better than bad, of course. But at the same time, I mean, there. I mean, I noticed a couple players visibly kind of half assing it because it was the first scrimmage back. I mean, I don't think. I mean, Malkin usually doesn't skate that much, but my man stood for a lot of that. And nothing against Malkin. I mean, like I said, it was it was a scrimmage, first scrimmage back. You're kind of just trying to get legs under you. You're trying to get some gameplay in, and that's what it was for. It's what you did. I would like to see if they do this again, I would like to see a little more change in it. Not so much like changing the lines per se, but I mean maybe switch up the goalies after a period. So they're, so maybe Jari's facing more high powered shots. Maybe, you know, Murray's, you know, not making every save during a power play. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, it was interesting to watch and I, one more t- one more takeaway I want to add is I am upset at that officiating crew. <laughs> I am well, upset at that officiating crew.
1: There there were some very very blatant penalties that just weren't called. I mean, the, come on, stripes, you got to call some of it. And why are you blowing the whistle dead when Brandon Tanev has a breakaway? Come on. That was just awful officiating and who, who was this this scrub that was officiating? Let me let me look it up real quick. Uh Mark Mark Rashi? Mark <laughs> Rashi something like that? Oh, oh, Recchi. I'm being told it was Mark Reckey, the Hockey Hall of Famer. I mean, come uh, on,
0: man. I just I just wanted to see him booming it from blue line to blue line, being the lines. That's all I wanted to see, but he barely them, even
1: put his hand down when there was a goal. They both kind
0: of just stood on the
1: center red and let the boys play. I mean like, there did were you some offsides. I'm not sure why. They <laughs> That's fine. And the one last thing that we have to mention, with about 20 minutes remaining in the scrimmage, Sidney Crosby takes his stick, takes his ball, and goes home, basically. And we mentioned it earlier. He'll probably be deemed, quote, unfit to play if he does not practice whenever this comes out on a Monday or going forward if he's still dealing with that injury. So it's going to be something to keep an eye on. We have no information on it as of now. We're probably never going to have information on it until and if we see Sidney Crosby back on the ice in training camp before they head up to Toronto. Either way, I'm sure he's going to be going up to Toronto. But I would assume so. It, to me, he did look a little slow in his last shift, but it wasn't anything noticeable that I caught that when he got injured. So it didn't look again, like he was I mean, limping. Who knows? Yeah, but like I also said, like Malkin was also standing. Like, yeah, it, it's it's really a catch-all, And if anybody thinks they know what's wrong with him, you you don't know. Nobody knows what's wrong with Sidney Crosby unless you're inside that organization right now. So it's it's not gonna not gonna help anybody to speculate too much on it. I know that's our job. That's why we did it a little bit, but. We'll just see how that plays out. Hopefully, he comes back because the Penguins are going to need him to win the Stanley Cup. If if he's not in, they're not going to win it. That's a blatant point. They they should still be able to take care of the Montreal Canadiens, but the other four rounds would be difficult.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, I don't think, I don't think he'll ever be. I I don't think he'll ever hit the label unfit to play, just because it's he's Sidney Crosby. That's what he does. I mean, shit, he was ready to play through an injury that really could have hurt him. Um, So I think he'll be available to play at all times and at all costs. And we'll be, like you mentioned, be making the trip to Toronto and be playing up there. We just might not see him practice. We might not see him do a scrimmage. I mean, maybe he'll be a better ref than uh, the wrecking ball for the next one. (laughs) Who knows? Or maybe he'll strap in as, you know, the goalie. And That was the other part, too, is I get where you're going for. You're trying to get your starting line out there. But I mean... Casey DeSmith and Emil Larmy are up here. Maybe they should get a couple of reps in. I want to see a scrimmage that's got everyone included, that includes all of the black aces and all these call-ups too.
1: Yeah, and supposedly, whenever they came out with the training camp schedule, we were supposed to have three total squad scrimmages, and they've had one now, so supposedly in the next week, we should be getting two more. Of course, plans can change. Mike Sullivan can decide whether or not he wants to do that, especially if anything that happened to Crosby was due to the scrimmage. he ha- He definitely reserves the right to be like, we're not doing that again, but we have supposedly two more of these, so it'll be something that we can keep an eye on, and it was nice to just sit back and watch live hockey for the first time in four months. It definitely... Quenched my thirst a little bit, but it, it won't do it fully until they're in, what is it, the Scotiabank Arena up in Toronto? That, or if they're using a 2nd rank, probably Rico Coliseum. I don't think they're going to use the 2nd ring because all the... I
0: don't know. They're only using the one? Okay. I, I'm pretty I never, sure they're
1: only using the one.
0: Okay, because I can remember, like, whenever we were doing our pitch for... Well, that's for practices, the extra arenas. Yeah. But, I mean, we just I just always assumed, like, hey, if, you, if it calls for it and you need to have a game you know at all like a couple games at once there's the ability to do it um mm-hmm. uh, but if they're playing all at, all at once there's some cool things i want to discuss about the hub city things that we can that i'll bring up to you later we can discuss on another podcast but um Sounds
1: no good. yeah that should all be interesting going forward one more thing that happened this week some of the nhl awards the nominees were named for some of them we still have to wait for some of the other ones, but the ones that were announced, the Vezina, basically who we expected, Connor Hellebuck, Tuka Rask, and Andre Vasilevsky. Nothing really surprising there. The final three for the Masterton were named Bobby Ryan, Oscar Lindblom, and Stephen Johns again. It makes very much sense. Lady Bing, Ryan O'Reilly, Austin Matthews, and Nathan McKinnon. There's a little bit to discuss about that, but we're not going to get into that right now. We can have words on that at another time. This will be relevant (laughs) until those awards are handed out. Correct. Ted Lindsay, Nathan McKinnon, or Ted Lindsay Award, I should say. I don't want to just <laughs> go into that. The Ted Lindsay Award finalists are Nathan McKinnon, Leon Dreisidel, and Artemi Panarin. Again, yep. to me, that fits perfectly fine. Yep. Calder, of course, we knew it was going to be McCarr and Hughes, and it was just a matter of who's going to be that third guy: Dominic Kubalik or Kubalik, oh. however you want to say it, from Chicago, thirty goal oh. scorer. Man, I mean, oh, uh, people okay. need to start putting respect on his name because they're saying that Adam Fox got snubbed. If anybody says John Marino got snubbed, you're comp- just just stop. You're being a homer, okay? Yeah, I am. <laughs> as much as I like John Marino, and as no, good I as mean, he looked in that scrimmage, and as good as he looked this year, he's not going he, he was not going to be a Calder I know. I've
0: man. said it before. He needed a whole season to maybe get, <laughs> even get more
1: in the running, but it would have been and fun the, to see. The only one that I did have an issue with was the Jack Adams Award, and it's not even one that I'm going to step up on a soapbox and preach to you for, like, five minutes. The finalists were – Elaine Vigneault from Philly, yes, yep. okay, I I we, get that. Philly I think people were predicting to be there.
0: Yep. John Tortorella, who people were also predicting to be there. John Tortorella deserves to win it. That's that's probably yeah. So if Sullivan's not in
1: it, like he's not, then yeah. And Bruce Cassidy from the Boston Bruins. Oh, he's from the Boston Bruins. Oh, that's how much how little I know about him. <laughs> I thought it well, was Winnipeg. <laughs> Yeah. I think Mike Sullivan should have been in the top three at least, and that's not a homer pick to me. Seeing the types of players that were hurt, how long they were hurt, and how it just staggered itself, how he never really had a full lineup, and the fact that they still finished seventh in the NHL. I mean, I've mentioned all the reasons I think he should be in the award in previous episodes. Personally, last year I get it, but most of the time I don't subscribe to the fact that just because your team wins the President's Trophy – that means you were one of the top coaches that year. Last year, yes, okay, I get that last year they had, the Tampa Bay Lightning had the best team. But when you tie for the most amount of wins in an NHL season, then okay, then John Cooper, I, it makes sense. But just because Bruce Cassidy had the Boston Bruins, who had one of the top goal scorers in the league, one of the top forwards, a Vezina nomination, the Jennings award-winning goaltenders, I mean, that team was stacked yeah. this year. Who team. didn't expect them to be top in the league? So, to me, that's why, I mean, nothing against Bruce Cassidy. I He did a fantastic job, and you still need to be a good coach, even if you have these good players. But I don't see him as top three in the league for what he did this year. Just because your team was in first place at the end of this quote-unquote regular season, does not mean that you deserve it over somebody who did something that was a little bit more miraculous, which is take a basically completely injured team. Yep. Not completely injured, but for the most part, a team that always had big names out and put them in seventh place in the league. And Jay Fresh, who we had on last week, mentioned it really well. February probably killed him and that's fair.
0: Yeah. I just know that he, Mike Sullivan was in the conversation as a top three for this award for most of the season I think even in the midst of February I think I saw a story that he was still at least number three and I get February may have been bad but I mean doesn't every coach have bad spells I mean the Flyers were almost not in it I'm sure I'm sure the Blue Jackets were almost not in it aren't weren't they a team that weren't in it at all and then this
1: playoff kind of helped him out yeah, they definitely were a little bit further down in the standings, but I mean, you look at what, what they lost. And, I, and so. no, yeah, I'm the, not taking that away from them, but I mean,
0: shit, every team's got a de- got a bad spell on their season, right?
1: That's very true, and it might just be the thing that I don't I don't want to cry Pittsburgh here, but I mean, at the same time, he did have Crosby whenever Malkin was out. He did still have Malkin whenever Crosby out. Maybe that factored into it. I don't know. I think that's that. That's enough of talking about that. But that's just my point. Is I don't think Bruce Cassidy. Just because your team won the President's Trophy doesn't mean you are one of the best coaches.
0: Right. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, sometimes awards are killers in Pittsburgh. Anyway, we saw it happen to Bilesma after he won it. So
1: that's very true. So maybe this is a blessing. This guy's. Yeah. Knows? Maybe we don't worry about it too much. I mean, we shouldn't be worried about it too much in the first place. Oh, no, I'll probably never talk about it again after this. Yeah, I mean, we'll
0: talk about other awards (laughs) at a later date, but I mean, for now, like, there's not much to go on about here other than what we already said, what you said, and
1: yeah, no, it'll be a non-story in a week, probably. Well, it is just about time for us to start sending it to our listener interviews we have four on tap for you guys today so buckle in it is a very long episode i hope everybody enjoys the interviews we did we're gonna kick it off here with john hill joining us from orlando florida and he is also a very close friend of one poly cupcakes so i hope that you enjoy this episode and i hope you enjoy this first of our four listener interviews (laughs) Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast. This is our listener episode. We are joined by John Hill. John, how's it going?
2: Not too bad. Not too bad at all.
1: Well, that's good. Where, where are you joining us from today, John?
2: Oh, I just recently moved to the uh, Orlando, Florida area from Pittsburgh. So
1: how's it going down there with everything COVID wise? Are you you locked up in your house?
2: No, not, not really. I just went to SeaWorld the other day. So can't really say too much, Been still enjoying it. Just wearing my mask and just trying to be careful. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. As long as you're being smart about it, then who's to say you can't go anywhere. Right? Exactly. So John, thank you for coming on. Thank you for joining us. And how long have you been a Pence fan?
2: Uh, I've been a Pens fan since like 93 or 94. When I first uh, started watching hockey, I started watching with the uh, Wheeling Thunderbirds who were obviously the nailers now. Mm-hmm. And I uh, kind of fell into just loving in the Penguins because of, you know, their affiliation with the Nailers and everything at that point.
0: Did you have a favorite player from back then?
2: Uh, my favorite player probably back then was uh, probably uh, Alex Kovalov.
0: There it is. It's a good name. Yeah. How has that changed into now? Like, who do you – backup mostly these days for the penguins
2: uh i'm a big matt murray fan uh, even though a lot of people hate on him uh i really enjoy watching him play and i still think he's a pretty decent goalie even though he gets ragged on quite a bit
0: that's the way it is being a goaltender at pittsburgh i think we've been watching that for years with Fleury, even whenever he was on his down swings
2: i mean shit even back when
1: barrasso was here he was getting ragged on can't win the big game quote unquote so yeah. i mean it's kind of just ingrained into penguins fans brain to just not like their goalie no matter how good they are
2: Oh, yeah, I agree with you guys 100%. Fleury went through the same stuff when the whole Vokun thing that you guys had talked about a couple yep. weeks ago. So,
0: Well, so are you excited to be watching hockey whenever it wins and if it comes back? It's most likely at this point, but you know, the Penguins will be taking on uh, the Montreal Canadiens, and what do you expect from that series? Who do you think an X factor will be? Are you excited to be watching hockey again?
2: Oh, yeah, 100% excited to watch hockey again. Basically, I think the biggest X factor for the Penguins is going to be uh, Patrick Hornquist, a healthy Patrick Hornquist. Um, he'll be getting into Carey Price's face quite a bit, I think, in the series and uh, kind of disrupting any kind of groove he might be able to get into.
0: You going for Montreal, who the Penguins should be fe- not fearing, but looking out for on that end of the ice?
2: I guess the only, like, the only real person I really fear, because I went through Montreal's roster today, is Carey Price. I mean, if he gets hot, that's the only thing I can really see. I know he's been down for the past, you know, two or three years, not as good as he was when during the Olympics. But, you know, he's definitely somebody, the Penguins, if they, if, like I said, he if he would get hot, that could be something that could be troublesome, almost like a Yaroslav Halak-type moment from uh, uh, earlier, what was that, 2010? 2010, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, you look historically, the Penguins are 0-2 against the Canadians in history in the playoffs, so not much of a sample size there, and like you said, the last time we faced them was 2010, so even that was a decade ago. Interesting that you mentioned Patrick Hornquist as your X-Factor. It seems as if there's a good chance he starts on the third line. Do you think that's where he's going to go for the majority of the playoffs, or do you think Sullivan's going to go with all Reliable up there in the first line? Do you think he sees any time with Sid?
2: I think so. At some point he has to, I know Sid doesn't really like playing with Hornquist because he's not as fast as somebody like Connor Sheary, but I really think he's somebody that can cause a lot of damage in front of the net and cause a lot of disruption with goaltenders being a goaltender myself. those are the players I hate the most are the ones that get in front of you and are constantly in your face. So.
1: I tried to do that when I was playing hockey, but I'm also tiny. So it didn't really make an effect. It's kind of like moving a twig out of the crease. So.
2: I mean, Darren Pang was a pretty good goalie, and he's only what five four.
1: Yeah, that's true. Something like that.
0: <laughs> I know mean, it was also a different time. I mean, now these days we see Ben Bishop or Vasilevsky, I and mean, these are huge human beings playing goalie nowadays. You figure you're taking Matt Murray as your starter, I guess, then since you're, you know, he's your guy here, and because I mean, that's usually one of the questions—it's going back and forth who's going to start, who's going to start for us.
2: Yeah, um, I'd definitely take Murray. Obviously, he has the playoff experience. Um, last year versus the Islanders, I really didn't think he had that bad of a series. I think it was just a lot of uh, a lot of breakdowns on the defensive side of the puck, a lot of two-on-ones, three-on-ones, and there's not really much a goalie can do in that situation. And uh, I just think he, he was starting to find his game a little bit at the end, right before we got that pause there. Um, that Boston game, I know he kind of got booed in the first period, but that seemed like kind of a turning point for him, so...
1: Yeah, I don't know if you were listening to us back at that point, but I want a tiny bit of a rant after that happened. I was a little upset about the whole Bronx cheer for Matt Murray. But yeah, I
2: wasn't too thrilled with it myself. So
1: I don't want to move back too far, but when we were talking about Hornquist, I would think that one of the things, even if he doesn't get on the Crosby's line, I would think one of the big factors is going to be him on the power play. We haven't seen a Penguins power play fully healthy this year. I don't think at all. So we're going to have probably, I would imagine it'd be Gensel, Malkin, Crosby, Hornquist and Latang back there. Uh, do you think that that's something that we're going to see coming out in game one? Once the penguins get to the power play, do you think Hornquist is going to be instilled as that net front guy?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we saw that during the uh, t- w- the 2017 run when he scored the game-winning goal, basically, against uh Peca Rene, and he was literally right in front of the net. He's a perfect net front presence, and I think he'll be screening Carey Price on the power play, deflecting pucks in, and just causing, like I said before, just massive chaos in front of the crease, which is something I think they need to do to disrupt Carey Price's groove.
1: X-Factors for you. Patrick Oink for the Penguins. Carry Price for the Canadians, I think a lot of people tend to agree with you on that Canadians one. It's going to be really up to whether or not Carry Price can improve on what he did during the regular season this year and last year. So that's something that definitely people are going to have to look out for. I agree with you there. Now, when it comes to the Pittsburgh Penguins on defense, you have to think, okay, top pairing, Latang Dumlin. Okay, that's fair. That's probably one of the top, better top pairings in the league, I would imagine. Your second pairing, you got to go with your young guys, I think. You go Pedersen, Marino, But that leaves for the third pairing, a Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz combination there. How confident are you in that third pairing heading into this COVID Cup?
2: Jack Johnson, I feel like he improved a little bit this year. Um, You know, he seems like he's starting to maybe get the system a little bit. Mm -hmm. And Justin Schultz, I don't know if it's been the injuries or what, but he has just not been the same this year. I'm hoping that he can amp it up around playoff time. He seems to do that every year is that he seems like he's a good player once it comes playoffs. So hopefully he'll be able to kind of get back on his game. I know it's been rough for him this year.
1: Yeah, especially last year as well, getting injured in Montreal. Coincidentally, that has been really tough for him to kind of get back into, but he's still a good puck moving defenseman. I think that's what we saw in the limited time that he played this year. It's just on the defensive end that he really struggles, which is, is going to be a concern at least to me because while Johnson is all right as a stay-at-home defenseman he, like and I say all right kind of still giving him the benefit of the doubt on that while he's kind of all right as a stay-at-home defenseman Schultz is not good in his own zone so that's going to be an issue and you're going to probably see them I would think deployment wise With that pseudo third, fourth line, that's uh, Tanev, Aston Reese, and Blooger because those guys keep the puck in the offensive zone. And the longer it's in that zone, the less likely we are to see J.J. and Justin Schultz just completely leave whoever's in net out to dry.
2: Yeah, you were mentioning that line, they were actually one of the best defensive lines at the end of the pause there, and I think if they put them out with them, that should be more of a safety net than anything else, having those three guys out there. Tanev with his speed is just absolutely ridiculous, Aston Reese will go into a corner and dig out pucks, and Teddy Bluger's like the perfect two-way forward.
0: Absolutely, so do you have any predictions for the series, like uh, pens in three, four, five, other way around, any breakout stars we might see?
2: Uh, I'm thinking the Pens in four. Um, I really think we're going to see Connor Sherry kind of break out. He seemed like he was starting to um, get his feet, his footing underneath of him at the end of this. And I think he's going to be someone that's really good. And I would really like to see uh, maybe Patrick Marlowe maybe get a shot on the second or third line because I think he's somebody that, you know, now that we've had this four or five months of rest, he might be rip, uh, raring to go to try to get a chance at a Stanley Cup.
1: He does still have his legs. That That is one thing I'll give him. He might be a 40-plus-year-old, but he does still have those wheels and he can go.
0: Hopefully, like John said here, that we'll know he's there. We'll know he's on this team That he's in a Penguin uniform and really supporting and really playing a great role for the team. So I'd like that idea of uh, Patrick Marleau being a game-changer for us.
1: Yeah, and I think that'd be the greatest storyline here. I mean, there's, there's plenty of good storylines with every team, but Patrick Marlowe getting his first cup would be... Just the premier storyline for the Pittsburgh Penguins in this off season, apart from Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin tying Wayne Gretzky with four Stanley Cups. I mean, that that would also be a pretty good storyline. So, John, you're saying Pens and four?
2: Yeah, I'm saying Pens and four. I think Carey Price will steal one of the games, but I think that's about it.
1: John, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to have you on. If you guys want to follow John on Twitter, you can follow him at AverageGoalie33. John, the floor is now yours. If you have any questions, if you want to talk about anything else, Penguins, if you want to just plug yourself away, you have the floor, sir.
2: Well, I appreciate you guys letting me come on. Um, my best man at my wedding was actually Paul. He's on the uh, caps, uh, podcast. So that's where I found you guys from. Yeah. Him and me and Mark, will don't get along too well. Mm-hmm. So, but me and Paul do so, but yeah, I really appreciate you guys letting me come on and uh, talk a little bit of Pens hockey in the middle of this pandemic. So.
1: Yeah. Anytime. It's great to have you on And, uh, like I said to everybody, follow him at average goalie thirty three and everybody go blow up Polly cupcakes Twitter and tell him <laughs> that we got the better of the of the friend group on our podcast.
2: <laughs> Sounds good to me guys
1: A huge thank you goes out again to John for joining the show and being the first listener of the two listener episodes to be on our show. So again, thank you, John for joining us. Next, we're going to throw it to our interview with Shane Ryan, who is also from the Hockey Podcast Network. He is the host of the Centurion Overtaking Podcast, and he joined us to talk a little bit about the Penns Habs series. But before we get to that interview with Shane, I wanted to talk to you guys for a second about Cool Hockey. Now, since 1999, Cool Hockey has been the number one online source for purchasing and customizing officially licensed NHL jerseys in North America. Every product that leaves their doors is done to the exact specification of the NHL Players Association. Visit CoolHockey.com slash THPN and use the code THPN for 30% off your new favorite jersey from CoolHockey.com. And now here's Shane Ryan. You're
3: listening to the Hockey
1: Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday
3: and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.
1: Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. One of our two listener episodes to try to get ready for the 2020 Stanley Cup and or COVID Cup, however you want to describe it. We are joined right now. By our compadre on the Hockey Podcast Network, Shane Ryan from the Centurion Overtaking. You can follow him at Centurion ninety two. So, welcome, Shane. Thank you for coming on to our show. and And where are you joining us from today?
4: I'm joining you guys from Ottawa. I've been born and raised here, so you know, hence why I cover the team. But it's a pleasure to finally actually get on to to one of the Pittsburgh episodes. It's been uh, it's been a while in the making, so it's nice to talk hockey when there's. Nothing for Ottawa to really do for the next couple months.
1: Yeah, you guys, you guys kind of busted your load on hockey talk last week, huh?
4: Yeah, that was fun. That was a fun one with uh, with Neil.
1: Yeah, yeah, you seemed a little heated there.
4: Oh, just a little <laughs> bit. Just a little bit.
1: <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, of course, as you mentioned, you covered the Sens, and If you couldn't tell from from the the title of his show the Centurion overtaking. So go check that out on the hockey podcast network. But you mentioned it's been, it's been a long time coming for you to get on this podcast. I know I've talked to you on one of the Metro podcasts. I don't know if Horwad has. I don't believe so now.
4: No, I don't think he was part of it.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, I think we were both part of that one that hockey troll forgot to record, but we won't, we won't keep bringing that up to make fun of them. Um, but thank you for joining us.
4: Please do. I mean, the more fun I make of hockey troll, the better. <laughs>
0: Always. But before we even jump into Penguins talk, we I, just, I guess I just want to throw it out now. Are you excited about the future of the Ottawa Senators after this season?
4: I'm going to hold off until see see what happens with the draft.
0: Okay. And see
4: what happens for next season, because that, that's going to play into it too.
0: I mean, that's very true. They should have a bright future coming up, but swinging it back to Pittsburgh real quick. I mean, this is what we're here to talk about. So how big of a, of an impact does uh, Jay Gensel have? Whenever he'll return to the lineup and go into this playoff round healthy.
4: Oh, he can be—he's he, going to be the game breaker. Like he's going to be the player that will make or break this series if he comes into it. If he comes into it, I there's no way much, no way. Kerry Price can win the four three games with that kind of fire firepower. Gensel brings a whole different game to Pittsburgh that you know you add in the addition to Zucker. It's not. It's not going to be easy for that defense to to handle that. Honestly, that that full 12-man unit is going to be hard for them to stop.
1: It's going to be interesting to see where he gets implemented, whether it's right back on a line with Crosby and, you know, bringing that back, hopefully that magic from the 2017 and part of the 2018 playoffs, or does he go with Malkin where we saw him succeed
4: before his injury? I would say that it probably would be with Malkin. I mean if you feel comfortable enough with him and Malcolm playing together I don't see why you wouldn't put them together uh, at least early on give him like the give him a game considering how well Cros- like how well they play with whoever like both Crosby and Malcolm play without whoever is on their wing I wouldn't be surprised if he gets like the the lesser of the two roles, at least to start and then I wouldn't be surprised if you guys make it past the, the playing around that you see him playing with Crosby in that first official round of playoffs. But for the play-in, I wouldn't be surprised if he's only on that second line.
1: Yeah, and I think the big thing is also going to be you need to be good right from the get-go in this in this kind of atmosphere. And him coming off of a layoff, whether or not he's been practicing with Crosby and Malkin right now during Phase 2 of the NHL return-to-play protocol, it's really an entirely different game. And we don't even know because we've never even seen – Players come from this big of a layoff to just jump right into very important must-win games. So for that goes for everybody, not just Jake Gensel. So I think Sullivan, it's it's not a bad problem to have, having two star centers and a star winger to say, oh, where do I want to put them? Because either way, you're going to have a good one-two punch. But it's definitely going to be something that needs to be paid attention to because Can he come back? It's not a given that he's going to come back and be amazing. He did have shoulder surgery, so it's going to be interesting to see what he can do and how effective he's going to be in this playoff. But the one thing that I also want to ask you, Shane, is what do you think Montreal is going to have to do if they're going to be able to have a chance to beat the Penguins in this series? And that is, I mean, if they want to beat the Penguins, because, you know, Lafreniere still hangs in the balance, but assuming they want to win it, what do you think they have to
4: do? they're going to have to hit them. That's the, the one thing is that if you watch Pittsburgh, if you see watch them in the series that they've lost and the playoff games that they've lost, it's usually when they're being out hit. You know, like the physical play isn't in their favor. Uh, with guys like Gallagher and Joanne is expected back and you have Petrie and Weber, they're going to they're gonna have to be physical. They're going to have to be on the boards. They can't give them much space. And if they can do that, you know, Price can take care of the rest. It's just about doing it consistently, and I don't know if Montreal can really do it
1: consistently. Big portion of their game is based in possession. So I, I know that that's going to be a big thing to look at, but you mentioned physicality. Do you really think that the Sens, you said that, or sorry, not the Sens, the Canadians, i got gotten mm-hmm. me all mixed up here. Do you really think the Canadians will be able to do that for an extended period of time? I mean, sure, coming out in game one and being physical is one thing, but continuing to try to corral a team, that has the speed that Pittsburgh has. Do you think that's something that the Canadians have the firepower to sit there and man up for an entire five game series?
4: I think they have the players to do it. I just don't think it's going to happen. Okay. Being physical, you know, even for a seven game series, it takes a lot out of you. And to consider the fact that they have to be physical because they're going to win every series that way. If if Montreal wants to make it deep in the playoffs and yeah, Lafreniere is there, but their fans want playoff hockey. You know, that Montreal's like prides itself off winning and and being a a successful club. So between having a 12.5% chance versus having a, or having some sort of playoff run, they're going to choose playoff run. So if they're going to have to do it consistently for the the entire playoffs, it's not going to happen. Could they do it for three games? Possibly. But it's a matter of them being able to do it throughout their lineup and once you get into that, you know, bottom six, who are supposed to be your checking line, there's some very big questions as to who's on, like who's going to be in that bottom six, and how physical are they going to be. You know, there, there's talk that Konkanemi is going to be brought up and, and whatnot, and it's it's going to be a very interesting thing. I think the Montreal can do it, especially on their back end with with Weber and Petrie. Those two guys can can manhandle Crosby and Malkin. But it's about their depth, and I don't think they can do it consistently for, like, minimum three games.
0: The only issue I could see with, you know, if uh, Montreal wants to play physical like that is, yeah, they can do it in game one, and then it's a matter of, can the Penguins fight that back in a way, or do we get stubborn in our ways of, we're, we're going to let them hit us, we're going to let them do this, and we're just going to try and keep to our game. You have to be able to transition and change your game. Plus, I mean if they start getting physical, we have guys that can be, you know, pests right back. I mean, we, I know Tanev was, you know, top 3 in the league in hits, so he'll be able to go right back to it. Horqvist will get under your skin like nobody cares. Nobody's business. He will be there even if Montreal's not playing that way. Horqvist is going to be there getting under their skin. But I mean, outside of that, we don't have too many guys that are willing to hit back on the forward line at least. But if that's the way they want to play it and play physical, we have the guys that can handle it and fight right back. And it'll be if it's like that, it'll be a, you know, a pretty—I can't think of the word—but it'll be a pretty vicious series immediately if that's the way they want to play.
4: Because like, here's the thing: is, if Gallagher is going to play a huge part in it, because if Gallagher can get Malkin off his game, and they only have to worry about shutting down Crosby, yeah, you have you have the other guys. You against like those, if he's back, you have him, Russ. Zucker but the two get big two big guys are Malkin and Crosby and if you get uh-huh. one of those two guys off their game it makes your job easier and Malkin has a history of losing his temper relatively yeah. easily and often so Gallagher versus Malkin is going to be a huge a huge matchup for Montreal and if Gallagher can win that matchup it's a point towards Montreal winning the series.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's what Gallagher's prided himself on his entire career. He's like, I'm the undersized guy that's going to come up and punch you in the face, and then I'm going to smile when you punch back. So I think that's something also, it's kind of a Brad Marchand type that we've seen that Malkin does not respond to. You're 100% correct, Shane. So that's definitely something I didn't think of, a dynamic that I didn't think of with with Gallagher and Malkin. That's probably going to be the matchup. They're probably going to be first line Montreal versus second line Pittsburgh, which... Yes, that does leave Crosby open, but I think the one thing that's really underrated about this Canadiens team is, sure, Carey Price can be Carey Price, the 2015 Hart Trophy winner, but I think something that we need to look into as far as Penguins fans are concerned, they need to take a look at that Montreal defense. It's very underrated. It's not world's world beating, but it's very, very good, especially in their own zone, and they're good at transitioning and getting a hold of the puck.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think... The, the eyes are going to be on Weber, obviously, because Weber is Weber. He has that history in the league. He has that respect. But Petrie is considered their number one defenseman. If you ask a lot of people who, who follow the Montreal, he's kind of taking that role due to Weber's health concerns. Uh, I believe Sherratt's still on that team, and he's just another physical force. So that defense, if they can force everything to the outsides, it's going to be a problem for Pittsburgh. It's just a matter of consistency which montreal has had struggled with all year it's playing that kind of game game in and game out and when they go on runs that's how they play it but when they struggle they struggle really badly like their defensive laps are are almost toronto like and it's, it's bad
1: yeah i did go to the the penguins canadians game in december i had great tickets but they got killed four to one by the canadians you look at the way that they played in that game and that is kind of the way that they're going to have to play to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now I get there was no Crosby at that point and there was a couple other players injured. I can't remember exactly who. So there is a book on how the Canadians can beat the Penguins, but it's a question of, can they do it consistently? We, we've all three of us have said that so many times it's, can they consistently do it and can they do it with Crosby in the lineup?
4: I think the one thing we haven't mentioned is also who's going to be a net for Pittsburgh. Do you oh. go back to, cause that's going to, that's also going to play a huge thing. Mm-hmm. is I'm a huge Matt Murray believer you know it's, yeah there was flurry in 2016-2017 but like Matt Murray carried the load for the majority of those playoffs and like, obviously Jari's had a really good year but can he do that in the playoffs not really sure if Matt Murray is on his game if Matt Murray is the 2017 Matt Murray it changes the whole dynamic of the series mm-hmm. it really comes like Pittsburgh goaltending is just as important as Montreal goaltending when it comes down to this series. And Pittsburgh has the advantage because they have two goaltenders that they can run out there confidently. Montreal, unless they bring up Caden Primo, which is a high possibility, they're going to put an AHL goalie, I think a rookie AHL goaltender in a playoff game. This isn't like this, this isn't Bennington at 25. Like there's there certain levels to it. So I, the goaltending favor is in Pittsburgh depending on who shows up and how they show up. Yeah. yeah and there sure, is I
1: mean... a history that Matt Murray will show up in those games. That's, that's that, that's the big thing to me. I haven't really made a stance yet. I've been back, kind of back and forth on the podcast. I'm going to have to make one in the next two weeks, but I haven't made one yet. Sorry for uh, Horwath for cutting you off there. No,
0: you're good. I was just going to mention that. Like that is going to be the big story going into this. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, Jake Entz will be a big part of it, but at the same time, we all knew he was going to be back for late playoffs if, you know, the virus didn't break out everywhere. But now that, you know, we've had everything pushed back, we know Jake Gensel's going to be playing, we've seen him skate in practice. Now it's just a matter of, all right, well, who are we starting in net? Because that was going to be a conversation in the first place, but now it's even more of a, you know, they were both kind of pretty lax days going into this break that we're getting. Um, who can turn it around? Is Matt Murray going to be able to return to form? If that doesn't happen, Jari all of a sudden have you know a good playoff experience. It's you know if need be, Casey here It's your turn now. Like it if it really does get down to it, we have we at least have depth of guys that we know can't stop Pucks. It'll be a struggle. It will be the talk of the town until the playoffs are over. No matter win or lose, it's gonna be the conversation because we've seen it before too.
4: Uh, considering both of them are rfas at the end of the year yep this is going to play a huge factor in those contract talks considering the cap's i going to stay is staying at 81.5 yeah
1: it's going to be a struggle no matter what one last thing before we move on one last thing about the goaltang i should say is there is precedent for tristan jari in playoffs he did help his junior team to the memorial cup so that is precedent in big games yeah. he has shown up, but again, different levels. Memorial Cup, Stanley Cup. While mm-hmm. it is one of the toughest trophies to win, it is not the toughest trophy to win. I mean, the COVID Cup has never been won before, so it'll be interesting to see.
4: Cup's definitely harder than the Stanley Cup due the fact that you get maximum five cracks at it in a yeah. career. So yeah. it's definitely probably harder than the Stanley Cup in that aspect, but like, and the grind's also ridiculous because you also have to go through like, the regular season and you have your three rounds of playoffs or your four rounds of playoffs. And then you have a round Robin before you even get to the Memorial cup final. So like that's a, that's a grueling tournament that if they made it to the NHL, that would be, that'd be so much fun to watch.
0: Oh, They made yeah. the stand
4: up into a round Robin tournament style. Like each division, you, you split up the divisions and then you have a four team round Robin style. You oh, play team God. once, and then the two teams with the best record go to the final? That would uh, be perfect. That's what they should have done this year. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I mean, it's better than what they did with the stupid
1: I don't. I don't mind it all that much, but at the same time, I knew something was going to be weird. I knew it wasn't going to be a perfect system no matter what.
0: That's for sure. I guess just to wrap it up, do you have any predictions for the series?
4: I'm, I got to take Pittsburgh on this one. I just think like the overall depth of Pittsburgh outweighs Montreal, and then if Price gets hurt or falters, they don't have that security blanket that much uh, Pittsburgh has with either the Smith, Jari, or Murray. So I, I gotta go with uh, with Pittsburgh winning three to one. I think three Montreal gets the first game. I get Montreal. I think Montreal gets the first game, and then it's just three straight.
1: Oh, uh, Pen's Twitter will explode if they lose that first game and no matter who's in net they could put a mill army in that game one uh-huh. he will be the most hated person in pittsburgh It doesn't matter who's in net if they lose game one to montreal the person that was in net gonna be hated but I'll... i
4: think it's gonna come in with such like explosiveness that there it's one of those games where like it's like a 2-1 final or it's gonna be it's either gonna be low scoring like really low scoring like two one or it's gonna be like six five because no one like everyone's rusty and mm-hmm. they're just letting goals in left right and center.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would personally rather see the two to one game. I know a lot of people would rather see the six five game, but that's again, that's just my personal
4: opinion. Six five if the goals are good. I don't like six five games when like three of the goals are horrible. Like they're just <laughs> like you could have stopped that.
1: <laughs> so official prediction from you is pens in four i'll hold you to that
4: between honestly between the two this one was a hard series because Mm. i want neither of you guys in the playoffs because of you know 2017 and 2008 and whatnot but i also don't want montreal in the playoffs but then i don't want neither of you guys having a chance at the front but (laughs) as a hockey as just a hockey fan like my like pittsburgh's the better team so i'm giving them the advantage
1: well, we do sincerely appreciate you giving <laughs> us that. Uh thank you again, everybody. This is Shane Ryan. You can follow him at Centurion92 and check out the Centurion Overtaking podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Quality stuff. And anything that he is on is usually quality. I do urge everybody to go back and listen to the Devil State of Mind podcast that he was on the reaction show for the NHL draft lottery. It is quality entertainment. But thank you again, man.
4: Thank you for having me, guys.
1: Thank you again to Shane for jumping on. And as you heard there, check out his podcast, the Centurion Overtaking Podcast, covering the Ottawa Senators for the Hockey Podcast Network. And also check out the after Hours show. Shane was on the last one, episode four. Check that out. Me and Hort were also on it. It is on the Patreon page at patreon.com/slash the hockey podcast network. We're going to continue rolling here on the listener episode. Next up, we have our interview with Wesley Reed. But before we do that, let's hear a word about our sponsor, Manscaped. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved lawnmower 3.0. Featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawn Mower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. We are here on our listener episode, getting to talk with some of our true and diehard listeners. And trust me, it has been a blast and it's going to continue right here. We're talking to somebody that I know personally has been listening to us for a very long time. Please welcome onto the show Wesley Reed. You can follow him at PA underscore Westcat 91. How's it going, Wesley?
3: Not too bad, guys. How's it going over there?
1: Going well, man. The storm passed earlier today. That's Pennsylvania weather for you.
3: Yeah, you can travel like one mile down the road and it's going to be winter, summer, fall, spring.
1: (laughs) Yep, 100%. So where are you joining us from today, Wes?
3: I'm actually in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm stationed out here. I'm in the military, so moving around and hopefully staying here for a while because I like the weather and the golf here is pretty dang nice too. Uh, I can only imagine
1: the (laughs) views. Fairway from the tees, I'm sure it's beautiful. And uh, let me be the first to just thank you for your service being in the military and thank you for coming onto the show.
3: Oh, Anytime. I mean, I'm from Mifflin County, which is about two or three hours away from you guys. I'm from a little area called lewistown regional area it's mm-hmm. about 30 minutes away from penn state up over the mountain and i'm a penn state fan so don't judge me on that i'm not a big <laughs> Pittsburgh panthers fan but
1: hey i won't give you any flack for a penn state fan because i'm a penn state fan too so you're in a safe space right now with that
3: good <laughs> yeah.
0: um how'd you become a penguins fan though well, let's get started on all
3: that so i remember distinctly like we had this it was shared between me and my two brothers we had a, a white home mario lemude jersey and we kind of played street hockey every now and then. And then, you know, we grew up, went our separate ways. And then one day I'm sitting at home after work and my brother calls me. It was in March of 2016, so the 2015-2016 season. And he's like, are you watching the Penguins game? I was like, no. And I'm, I was like, "He goes, well, it's on TV. So I was like, all right. So I switched it to the Penguins-Devils game and I got hooked from there. And I, the only time I really miss a game is whenever I'm – downrange deployed and sometimes I'll have a few buddies that are from Pennsylvania that will meet up and we'll watch the games. sometimes if if it's not too late at night but I love it so much I try to I'm trying to get my two-year-old boy into wanting to play hockey so he's got a few more years so he can join mites but hopefully he uh he decides he wants to play but I fell in love with it and then they won the cup that year and then I, I can't explain it after that it's just an addicting sport so
0: you jumped on in a good year too in 2016, you said. So, I mean, yeah. It was a, a good time to come on, and you haven't seen much losing since then. So, at least that's a good thing. Like, you've, I'm sure you've heard me and as you talk about our dark years that we've had. And, yeah. I know it's a lot of fun to be around. It's a great sport. It's you know, obviously both of our favorite things as well. So, glad to have you on board in any way, shape, or form.
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. We never turn away somebody joining the Pens Nation. That's for damn sure. Let's get a start on talking about the Montreal Canadiens versus Pittsburgh Penguins series. What are your your initial thoughts whenever you found out it was going to be Penn's Habs?
3: I wasn't really too particularly happy about it. Uh, I've been, like I said, I've been listening to your podcast. I just found it a few months ago and I, I started from your newest episode and then I kind of went all the way back. And then whenever all this COVID stuff happened and you guys were talking about maybe just scratch the entire season, which we all know Batman's not going to do that. He, they got to kind of make up that money somehow. Like you guys say, Cary Price is the one to watch out for. I mean, sometimes he's a brick wall and sometimes he has those nights that he's just like Patrick Wall in his last game at Montreal. He was he just <laughs> letting everything through. Probably he hasn't said, I want to leave this team. But other than that, to me, it's, it's the whole – our defense just needs to be right there. They need to be in blocking shots. They need to be in front of Murray. I'm not the hugest fan of Murray. I think my personal opinion, like I said, whenever I said I wanted to talk about, I think they should probably put Jari in and then see how he does. And if they lose the first game by a lot, or if it's wishy-washy, maybe try in the second game. But so many times I've seen Murray just, let in those squeaky goals like I, I remember that outdoor game that the last outdoor game they had and Murray let that really really terrible goal in by like Borchek or Goss and then it went to overtime and he lets that one just go right through his leg I, and he's he he had done that the rest of the season pretty much and I mean I understand it's it's a sport stuff happens but he's getting paid millions of dollars to stop a puck and even though his defense doesn't sometimes do their job. He's the last line of the defense. That's his job. That's what he gets paid to do to stop the puck. Like, so you're, I mean, you're
1: solely in the uh, Tristan Jari camp then for game one?
3: I am, yes, because, I mean, he, he proved himself this year. Of course, every goalie has a bad game, and Tristan Jari had some bad games. I mean, he made it to the All-Stars. That's something Murray never has done. And I'm going to also bring up a very unpopular opinion too – I tell my friends this all the time. I honestly I hate the fact that people say, Oh, well, Matt Murray's a two time Stanley Cup champion. What was it in twenty sixteen? How many I know he got his he got his concussion against the Flyers in like what the next last or the last game mm-hmm. by yeah, yeah. the stupid Shen brother. Did it on purpose in my opinion, by the way. <laughs> and Flurry was in for what, the first two series? In twenty sixteen he was in
0: Flurry was hurt too, because yeah, Flurry game game one first was just back off.
3: Yes, yeah. Mr. And
0: then game f- one. And the Flurry, Flurry came, came in back. for game two and lost, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that was, however, it went. Yeah. In
3: 2017, when they won, Murray was hurt again, and then Flurry took him through the first round against was it Columbus or
0: mm-hmm. yep,
3: and then against Washington, and then he played three games against Ottawa, and he had that one bad game, got pulled, and then Murray was in, and but I honestly from that Islander series last year. I don't think Murray would have lasted all all four series, but that's just me. I, I think he, he needs to work on his game a little bit, and he I think he kind of just gets too much into his own head sometimes to where he lets one by and then all hell breaks loose sometimes. I mean, again, I couldn't do it because I can't even skate on ice, but watching it, it's very frustrating seeing teams that we should be beating.
1: Yeah, I do get your point that that Murray didn't go through all four rounds in both of those years, but I, I do have to give it up for the guy. When you shut out a team to finish out the Stanley Cup finals in game five and six, he has shown potential to be a stud in the playoffs, but I do get what you're saying is he hasn't shown that he can do it all four rounds yet, whether that be because of injury or not. So I do understand your point on that for sure.
3: Yeah. And honestly, I, I'm not 100% sure Jari can because he's never had playoff experience. But you look at Murray's numbers, Murray's letting in at least three to four goals a night, and people are saying, well, look at his save percentage. I'm like, well, yeah, it's not hard to get a really good save percentage whenever you're getting 60-some shots shot on you a night and only three go in. But like I said, the defense needs to be better. Chris Latang needs to not pinch as much. And I'm going to go with a popular opinion, maybe find somebody that replaced jack johnson
1: yeah that's a pretty popular opinion
3: i mean so for some reason like whenever dumo and latang got hurt against that against philly in that stadium series game he played good with justin schultz but then when justin schultz isn't hurt they kind of do fine together but who do you think the top six pairing is going to be i mean i've listened to kind of what you said but you know everything can change somebody could get hurt because uh-huh. they're playing for an exhibition game correct
1: they should play an exhibition game before the play-in series, but as far as that top six goes, I, I'm I'm fairly certain that you're definitely going to see Sherry on the first line and Rust on the second line with, of course, Crosby and Malkin respectively, but the big question is Zucker and Gensel. As of right now, I mean, gotta go with Gensel and Crosby because that's the proven commodity to me in the playoffs, especially, is those two being able to feed off of each other, and I think Zucker does still have the skill set to play with Evgeny Malkin, so that's it. Personally, that's what I would do. What Mike Sullivan does could be completely opposite. Who knows? It might see Patrick hornfist up there in the top six. Who 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 knows what's going to happen with that?
3: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a serious blow with Gensel getting hurt. In my opinion, whenever the Crosby Malkin is over, I see Gensel wearing the C. I see McCann wearing the A, and hopefully Zucker stays for a while. He'll he'll be wearing an A too. But I mean, it's undoubtedly that Gensel's it's Gensel's team. Whenever the Crosby Malkin is over.
0: I couldn't agree more with that statement, honestly.
1: You never know. pooling, <laughs> Sam pooling. who knows? But uh, we'll have to wait for that, though.
3: Speaking uh, of uh, both of us being Penn State fans, I want to see what Chase Berger has, and I want to see what Nikita Pavlichev has. Because Nikita Pavlichev is just like Evgeny Malkin, but taller. Patrick Kornkwitz, But, yeah, taller and Patrick <laughs> yeah. Kornquist style. I mean, yeah. And that dude can bomb some shots too. I do not want to be in the way of those shots.
0: I watched him at a one of those camps where's those like rookie camps or whatever they are, and watching him skate pass was incredible because he is six nine or something like that off of skates, and he moves. He's able to move that that tall body. If he's able to get a little wider on him, dude could be a stud in the NHL if he gets his chance. It'll depend. I know he's nearing the end of his term here.
3: I think he's a senior this year, so I yeah. think. I think he's done, so.
0: It's just a matter of what we decide to do with him, because I know his contract, if um, or at least his rights, I think they're coming up, so we have to make a decision on him this summer for sure, but who knows, we'll see. And to answer your question about Bukestad, I believe they ruled him and Simone out for the off season. We'll have to make a decision on Bukestad at a later date now, because he has got a year left after this, and then who knows what we can do there.
1: I mean, if you can cut bait, cut bait, because it seems like yeah. it's not going well for Nick Bukestad. And Jared McCann has easily found him, himself in that third-line center role right now. So You're
3: not wrong. I, I was kind of excited whenever they shipped out Riley Shahan. I mean, I liked him. He was a good PK, but when I, then I looked at Nick Bukestad's stats and Jared McCann's stats. I thought, oh, no. And then they came here, and McCann just started lighting it up, and Bukestad just kind of fell to the wayside. side. I mean, yeah. he's he does good things, but he's just – he's always hurt. I mean, you can't – he can't really do nothing if you're hurt. So, right. yeah. But I'm also not disappointed. Simone's out. Not a huge fan of him. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I personally – I think he tries to do too much. I think he's – since he's on Sid, Sidney Crosby's line, he almost tries to mimic what he does with those no-look passes or that spin, stop and start, stop and start. And he's, he's just not as skillful as – Sydney Crosby I, I mean he can make good plays but, but it's going to be an interesting series I it's best of five hopefully it's a sweep but I don't see it going the full five I think it just goes to four
1: so you're saying pens and four that's your official prediction Yep. that's all we need because now we can cut and post that and now you're locked in like you can't change that
3: oh, I'll just do I'll just do the Pat McAfee i lock it in
1: there you go <laughs> awesome. of course, you time he
3: does that they lose Though. So.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let's hope that this is the exception to that rule. Wesley, thank you so much for joining us. We really had a really good time talking to you. Hopefully your prediction is correct. Pens in four locked in everybody. If you want to follow Wesley on social media, you can go to Twitter and follow him at PA underscore westcat 91. If you have anything else to plug the floor is yours, Wes.
3: Be nice to each other. Um, there's also a thing going around on my Facebook. It's uh veteran suicide awareness, uh, I'm doing 22 days of doing 22 pushups a day and nominating other veterans and stuff. So, um, if you know any veterans out there, you know, just give them a call, text them, whatever, and just ask how they're doing because maybe that call could save their life. Fortunately, I've not met anybody personally that has committed suicide because of their service, but, and I hope I never do. But like I said, if you know any veterans out there, just give them a call, give them a text. You could save their life.
1: Thank you again, Wesley, so much for joining us. Thank you. A big thank you goes out to Wesley for joining the show. I know he's been asking to come on for a couple months now, so I'm happy that we finally got to have him on the show. We have one more interview to go for this week's episode, and that is with Megan Fitzsimmons. But before we get to that, we've mentioned a lot that we have 36 unique hockey podcasts here on the hockey podcast network of course 31 one for each team in the nhl plus five specialty podcasts but right now there's one in vancouver that i really love to listen to and i think you guys will too so here is the stick and rink podcast
3: think you're a slob <laughs> like shut your whore mouth <laughs>
0: that's Yeah, like the, fr- the phrase pigeon toss like I find that hilarious <laughs> like <laughs> as if you were to toss a pigeon
3: like, what the fuck is a pigeon toss
0: no like you just pigeon toss a guy out of the way like
3: Daniel. That's a guy, don't forget
0: to catch stick in rink the healthiest podcast in the Vancouver area
1: every Monday on the stick in rink podcast feed wherever you get your podcast from or on the hockey podcast network every team everywhere
0: You know how fucked I am in the head? When you said Pidget Toss, the first thing I thought of was Midget Toss.
1: We're back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg, episode 68, one of our two, count them, two listener episodes. We have one final guest for this week's episode, and that is somebody that I believe Horwat knows a little better than me, so I'll let him introduce her.
0: All right, you're going to let me introduce her? Great. The final guest for this episode is my lovely girlfriend, Megan Fitzsimmons.
5: Hi, how are you?
0: We're doing good. Uh, where are you joining us from here? Because it's def- we can see by the screen that, you know, it's not a
1: normal place. Seems like you're in a car.
5: Yeah, I'm in Erie. I'm actually sitting in my car right now in the Walmart parking lot.
1: That's definitely a first for the listener episodes. The first time we were getting a call from a car...
0: You look like one of those YouTubers that records from their car.
5: (laughs) Well, I live in the middle of nowhere, so if I stayed at my house and did it, we'd have terrible connection, and it would just be horrible. So I figured public is probably best.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. I appreciate you going somewhere with a better connection. It definitely makes my job a whole hell of a lot easier. But let's jump into Penguins talk because that is what we are here to do. If you were in charge of this, what would you do with the top six wingers? Would you put Gensel? Or would you put Jason Zucker on the top line?
5: I definitely think people are going to disagree with me, but I think I'd put Zucker on the top line at first. I think it was fun watching him and Crosby play together towards the end of the regular season. And for Jake, like watching his injury, it was so scary. I think it it was a really long time for him to come back. So I think if he's on the second line for like a game or maybe two, that would be fine just to get him back into the actual intensity of it all. So I'd probably start with Zucker on the first line
1: and do you think that if it wouldn't work out you'd go right to jake
5: yeah yeah because i think they had the scrimmage today and he played well he had two goals he looked really good but i just think it's scary coming back from an injury and going from not playing for months to playing intensely in a playoff round so i think i'd probably start with jason zucker just to see how he plays with crosby at first
1: yeah, you bring up a good point with the uh, the scrimmage. He did look a little tentative around the board. So so it's a good point there. And we'll see what happens. I know as of right now, Sullivan's been putting Gensel on that first line, but we'll see how it goes as, as the next week progresses. But I, I like what you're thinking there. Zucker did look really good with Sidney Crosby.
5: Yeah, definitely did. I think just watching him play together towards the end of the regular season was so fun for everybody. They just connected immediately. It wasn't it didn't take a while, it was just immediate. So I think if they can get back into that after not playing for so long, then I think we have a fantastic shot in the playoffs.
0: Yes, I mean, so we've discussed it before. We're going to, you know, it's kind of the point of this interview is the matchup against the Montreal Canadiens. You know, what about this matchup gives you confidence in the Penguins for, you know, a win in the series or what makes you nervous about it uh, coming from the Canadiens end?
5: I think confidence, like bringing Jake back, He's definitely a huge help to us. He's one of the best players on the team. I think having him back, even if he's a little, you know, tentative around the boards, I think that'll be huge for us. Uh, if Carey Price plays, I know he was questionable there for a minute. I think if he plays, he'll definitely give us a hard time. So I'm nervous there. And as Penn fans know, like the whole team is prone to injuries. So I think as long as we avoid injuries, then we'll do great in the series.
1: Yeah, it definitely does help coming into it that you had four months off. So these people like Doomlin, you mentioned Jake Gensel, but you also have Doomlin who had just come back from an injury. So he has time. Zach Aston Reese, John Marino, all these guys had time to to heal. So I think that's going to be a big thing as well. Just, I mean, this team seems like they're almost made out of glass half of the season. Just every time somebody starts to go get healthy, somebody else goes down. So that's it It is something that would make me tentative too, I agree.
5: Yeah, and today watching the scrimmage, uh, Sidney Crosby left, and they obviously can't comment on that. So I think that's a really scary thing. If he somehow got injured or for some reason doesn't play in the playoffs, I think that would be a huge hurt to us, obviously. Um, kind of sucks that they can't comment on it, but I understand just makes us a little nervous.
1: From a coaching standpoint, and from honestly the player's standpoint, that's probably for the best. But from a fan standpoint and from a journalist standpoint, that quote unquote unfit to play marker is just a pain in the ass.
5: Yeah, I definitely understand it with everything that's going on. I think not commenting helps, not like have fans not comment on it, but I think it also like doesn't help at the same time because then we're sitting there speculating about what's going on but I definitely get why they're doing it
1: we've had a lot of people bring basically the same prediction to the table this episode so far so what is your prediction for this series do you you see the pens pulling it out or do you think the habs pull off the miraculous upset
5: so I do think the pens will eventually win I definitely think the Canadians will give us a hard time they have some good forwards they definitely have a few good defensemen there. I think it'll be a challenge for us just to get back in the swing of things for a game or two. So I think like Penn's in four, but the Canadians will definitely put up a good fight.
1: So you think the Pens finish it on Sidney Crosby's birthday. That's what a lot of people have been So does saying. everyone else.
5: <laughs> that would just be the coolest thing ever. Like just, of course, Sydney always goes hard, but just watching him on his birthday, I think that would be just more exciting than anything.
1: Okay. Well, before we let you go, we've talked a lot about the Penguins, but of course, me knowing you a little bit more than I know some of the other people we had on this episode, I know that you also favor the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's so I'm where gonna we're ask gonna go. You, what do you think about their series coming up against the Columbus Blue Jackets? I don't know. Can they do it?
5: <laughs> no? Question mark.
0: Oh, there you there you have it. That's the that's a, cut it right there. Uh, she's not confident in this team. <laughs>
5: I just think they they have such a good team on paper that it's insane. But once they start getting into the swing of things, I don't think they're going to be looking as good as people expect them to. I think Columbus is going to come out real hot and definitely give us a run for our money. I don't, I don't want to say if I think the Leafs will win or not, but I definitely think it'll be a very strong matchup.
0: I mean, I have confidence in the Leafs in this round finally because it is Columbus I mean they're a team that oof I mean they have a goaltender and they have a couple of defensemen they're not a scoring team that's you know that's Tortorella's game style and gameplay but I mean you got guys that should be able to beat that right
5: I definitely look at Columbus as a wishy-washy team I think it depends on like what day we play them I think some days they'll come out looking real hot real good and they'll definitely give us a struggle. And I think some days the Leafs will just overpower them completely. But it's hard to say overall what will happen.
1: What year is it? Is is it 2019? Because it really sounds like we're previewing Tampa Bay versus Columbus here. Might be setting yourself up for failure. I don't know. I mean, John Tortorella, if there is any coach in the league that's gonna have his team ready to run through a brick damn wall, that's gonna be John Tortorella. But personally I, I do think the Maple Leafs finally get it done and finally win a play-in series, although it's not technically a playoff series. I guess it is, but then it's fine because they're probably going to face the Bruins in the first round anyway. And there it is.
5: That's <clears> the <throat> struggle. Not a ton of people are going to give us crap for it, technically not being a first-round playoff win, but I hope they pull it out. I think it'd be fun to finally I mean, see them do something, go somewhere.
0: I mean, as Penguin fans, we're facing the same kind of heat with it, so with the st- playoff streak that we apparently are holding on to, but.
5: Oh, I mean, you can't even, it's you can't post-season. even give the Canadian space at all because then troll will be all over you guys.
1: Oh god, yeah. I would imagine he's definitely going to have his finger on the pulse of that series, especially considering his capitals aren't going to be playing in a play in round series, but it's going to be interesting all around. Glad to have hockey back. I know you're very glad to have hockey back, but thank you again for joining us. You really stepped in and really helped us out here, and I really enjoyed the fact that you came on and helped us out here. Everybody, go follow her on Twitter, at MeganFitz24. Now, I'm going to give you a couple seconds here. If you have anything else that you want to throw on the table, go for it.
5: I don't think so. Just thank you for having me on. I've definitely been bugging Nick for a few weeks. Like, hey, you should have me on. I don't know if I'll sound like I know what I'm talking about, but yeah, it was a lot of fun being on. Thanks. Thanks.
1: you did great. You did great. Well, thank you again. And I'm sure we'll probably have you on the talk Leafs if they can, you know, somehow win a playoff hockey series, but you know, I wouldn't hold my breath if I were you.
5: Yeah, no, I get it. That'd be exciting though.
1: <laughs> a huge thank you goes out to Megan and a huge thank you goes out to all four of our listeners that joined us on the episode today. Again, it was a very long episode and we thank everybody that is still listening. We hope we gave you quality content. I know we gave you quality content, lots of stuff to think about for the pens and Habs matchup. So a big thank you again to Megan Fitzsimmons. A thank you to Wesley Reed. A thank you to Shane Ryan, our compadre on the hockey podcast network. And a thank you to John Hill as well. As we mentioned earlier, we are going to have five, count on five more listeners. Join us for next week's, Episode 69, and then we are also going to officially give our picks at the end of that episode for the Pittsburgh penguins montreal Canadiens series. One last thing that we have, and we're going to start doing this every week. We had a Pens poll that we posted on Monday, and our Pens poll was which Pens player will make the biggest contribution in the upcoming play-in series against the Montreal Canadiens. The results went Gensel, 47%. Malkin, 27%, Crosby, 27%, and Other got a whopping 0%. So everybody fell is. into those three categories. Fans and the listeners and our followers all say Jake Gensel. What do you think, what? Jared McCann.
0: Really? Jared McCann's my answer because we're expecting those top three to be contributors. Jared McCann is a guy that every time I've heard someone talk about him in the last week or two, it's, well, yeah, but he was slumping going into the break. Well, that's great. You know how long ago that was? Everyone was slumping at that point. I mean, it wasn't just him. I wrote a damn story about it, and then the league got shut down. Like, it. everyone was kind of slumping to their own extent. McCann maybe a little more than others. That's fine. But now that he's had this time off, he's been getting – I mean, we saw on the, during the scrimmage he's getting reps on a power play unit. I mean, when Crosby went down, he was on the – Was he on the first one on both? He was on the first one right out of the gate. Alright, so he's on the first power play unit. Granted, that might be a placeholder for Hornquist, but still, you know, he's getting some ice time, he's getting his reps in, he's getting some shot opportunities and learning a little more, and it's gonna be a good opportunity for him going forward. And now, like I said, he's had months off. No one's slumps matters, no one injured no one's injury matters anymore. It's all about what can you do now? Go all out right now, because you only have five games at most.
1: I agree that Jared McCann is going to be very, very integral to the Pittsburgh Penguins in the entire postseason, not just in this opening series. But I think in this opening series, it's going to be important as well. To me, the most important player in this opening series is going to be a Brandon Tanev. Is he going to be able to match all of the stuff that's going on with Canadians? As we heard Shane mention, they're going to try to play physical. That's the thing that they're going to try to do. They're trying to try to body the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I can I can see that happening. And Brandon Tanev is one of the guys that's going to have to respond with that. And I think he's going to have a big goal. I think he's going to have a big moment in this series, especially, again, I agree with you. Gensel, Crosby, Malkin, I mean, they scored the first three goals in the scrimmage, for God's sake. Of course they're going to have a big impact. The biggest contribution, though, I feel like in this first series, it's, it's going to be a Brandon Tanev. I think he's going to score one maybe two big goals, so that's where I'm going with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it's not one of those three, Tanev, whoever I said McCann, or whoever we picked to be goalie, that's true. It could
1: be both that's... of them. I mean, Casey DeSmith is definitely going to be the difference maker in this first round. No, I'm just kidding. It's definitely, it's it's an interesting question. We'll give our answers to that too. I mean, as of right now, it seems as if Matt Murray's probably. It doesn't. It might not seem like it, but it seems as if Matt Murray is at least thought of as the number one goaltender as far as that interstrawed scrimmage is concerned. But that is going to be it for this one. Don't forget to check out our sponsors at manscaped.com. You can use the code THPN for 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Get yourself the Lawn Mower 3.0, get nice and shiny and smooth down there, or you can get the Weed Whacker, which is for nose and ear hair. I mean, you need the manscape everywhere, not just below the belt. But check it out, manscaped.com. Use code THPN for 20% off and free shipping. Also, check out coolhockey.com slash THPN. If you use that same promo code THPN, you get 30% off and get some premium hand-stitched jerseys. Check those guys out as well. But we are done for this week. We have one more episode left before we see actual technically playoff hockey. So you can follow us on Twitter at nickhorwat 41 and at Nick underscore as well as the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from. So please subscribe to us and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Let us know. We love talking to all of you, and that's why we're doing these listener interviews, because it is so much fun. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Check those guys out at HockeyPodNet on Twitter or at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere, and we're getting ever so closely to the Hockey Pens fans. See you next week. Thank you